Blog Talk Radio. Funky Writer Show, all about the funk of writing. I'm your host and navigator, Robert Batista. The Funky Writer Show has been called the funky eclectic outlet for all wordsmiths and literati. Now celebrating over six years of dynamic writers talk radio. Check me out on Twitter by going to at author R. Batista. I believe that if you aren't six feet under, then you are on the right side of anything, and anything is possible. These are the inspirational words of today's guest, author and motivational speaker, Karen McGill. Welcome, Karen McGill, to the Funky Writers Show. Well, thank you for having me here. It is a pleasure and an honor to have you back. Karen, you last came on the Funky Writers Show about two and a half years ago in September 2012. Please bring our audience up to date on what you've been doing since then. Okay, September 2012, that would have been just when Missing Flowers was published, which right. is it's a paranormal uh, mystery set in Vancouver. Uh, since then, I've had, in 2013, or 14, I had A Little Poison published, which is another paranormal mystery, the sequel to Missing Flowers. And I've published my first nonfiction, Let Us On the Right Side, My Story of Survival and Success, which chronicles my journey so far with MS. Wow, you've definitely, definitely accomplished a lot. Um, in writing your sequels, um, how was that, to, to, the continuity and, and keeping everything in sync? Um, how was that writing sequels? How did you find that? I find that fairly easy because I do keep a list of which characters and the timelines for them, like when they were born and everything. I keep a file on that so that I can always refer back. And I keep them alphabetical on which ones are with which book. And because they can stand alone, which helps, right. too. Right. Yeah. That is definitely the epitome of a great, great uh, series, is that each one, each book can stand alone. That is, that's awesome. Karen, your story is so fascinating. You were forced to leave the workforce due to a battle with multiple sclerosis. 
Talk about your state of mind at that time, which led you to make that life-changing decision. Quite frankly, I thought that uh, my life was over at that point. I had a really good job. It took me a year and a half to get it, and suddenly I had to leave it because I I couldn't work full-time. I couldn't work, period. I was just too exhausted all the time. And there were times when I was afraid to go to sleep because I was afraid I wouldn't wake up. But then other times I wished I wouldn't wake. I just wanted it Mm. all to be over with. Now, out of curiosity, you said you left a very good job, which took you over a year and a half to to get. What what kind of job was that? Can you speak about that? Yes, it was with the federal government. Oh, okay. I was actually a tax collector. (laughs) So, so how debilitating was the actual MS? I mean, you said that there were some times where you didn't want to wake up. Were you in a lot of pain? Yes, there's other pain, and uh, there's. I used to get these things called lightning pains, where it's just like what it sounds like, just a smash of pain. I couldn't walk properly, so that throws my hips out of balance. So when right. I woke up partially paralyzed on one side of my body on June 5, 2000, and it's just. Little things would go wrong, you know, you have problems with your bladder. And it was just every day it seemed to be something new. And I just didn't want to deal with it anymore. You subsequently found fortitude and used this time and opportunity to explore your lifelong desire to write. Karen, what was it about the art of writing that got you pointed in this direction? And were you good? Were you a good storyteller when you were younger? Uh, yes, I was. I've always written. My grandmother, my dad's mom, was a published author. And it just kind of rubbed off. And my one uncle writes. And my dad and my mother, too, is good at writing. So it's kind of in the blood. And... I had written for years. Like In my 20s, I had a poem published in a magazine. I ran a newsletter on music. But I was always having to make a living. Oh, you go get a job and try to write on the side. And then suddenly I was being paid to stay home, so I had the time and I had finances. I could sit there and write. What a beautiful thing. Now, you said your grandmother uh, was, was published. What type of uh, work did she get published? In 1965, she had a book called uh, Beautiful Things or Wonderful Things, something I think Wonderful, Th- wonderful Things <clears throat> published, a children's book. Okay. She, she used to uh, help support the family by writing articles <laughs> and getting them published. That's great. So you decide you want to write fiction eventually, and you choose the paranormal genre. Why this genre, Karen? Why paranormal? Because I think it's all possible. I delve into things like ESP and out-of-body experiences, things that have to do with uh, mental 
uh, powers, which I believe we all have. They're just dormant in a lot of us. In fact, the first book I published was called The Bond, A Paranormal Love Story. And it's right. where two people meet in a out-of-body experience. And they're from opposite sides of Canada. So that's kind of freaking. That one's going on sale starting Monday. So so I'm very curious about the bond. Um and it just sounds like something I would be definitely attracted to and 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 would want to read um two people um on opposite sides of the country. Uh where did this story come from? I was actually looking for a different way for people to meet. And I thought, okay, out of body experience. I'd never heard of any uh, any book or not, movie or anything where people met that way. It is rare. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. It sounds like it's, it's a great concept. So, Karen, you completed your first manuscript and, manuscript, and now it's ready for the world. Our audience always loves to hear how a writer published his or her first book. Karen, talk about the challenges, if any, in getting your first story out to the world. Well, I made a lot of mistakes with the first one. I didn't have it did? especially edited. It's been edited okay. now, but it wasn't at the time. Uh, okay. I went through Lulu.com. It's uh, right. print-on-demand. Yes, you know I heard that? of Lulu. Yeah, and I followed their system and got it done. And then, you know, I thought, okay, great, you know, it's out there, it's a Original idea, people are going to flock to buy it. Yeah. Not quite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. My best advice to writers is, like, what I should have done is start promoting it before it was published. But I didn't right. know that at the time. You know, I had uh, I had a uh, the original cover. I got a uh, artist I knew online to do. She did the cover for me. I like to have mm-hmm. original covers. So I usually try to get artists in that to do them. So let's talk about Lulu, um, the the um, do-it-yourself publishing mm-hmm. houses. Uh, looking back, um, would you recommend Lulu to members of our audience who are looking for something in that respect? Would you recommend Lulu? Lulu is a good one. I use CreateSpace now. Right. I find CreateSpace is uh, easier. And CreateSpace is, I think, Amazon's imprint, correct? Yes, it is. Right, right. And you'd say that CreateSpace is a little easier. Now, that's very, very good to know. Very good to know. Thank you. Um, go ahead. Oh no, I it's just I just found and cost wise I think it may be a bit cheaper too. But then I'm oh, not okay. Mm-hmm. It seems to be. I don't seem to be paying as much for my own copies. But that may have mm, changed. That's very good to know too. <laughs> yeah, I haven't ordered in a oh. while from Lulu, so Okay. So, Karen, let's talk about your latest groundbreaking work of nonfiction. On the right side, my story of survival and success. Karen, what is the meaning and message that this book is about concerning you 
and your story? Well, I decided I wanted, I kept a diary when I was first diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. And I wanted to write a book for years about what I was going through. I had all these different titles and all these different projects started, but never came to fruition. Then in 2013, I got rid of the cane. I stopped walking with the cane. And I figured, okay, now's the time to write it. And the title is, because as you said in the opening, as long as you aren't six feet under, you're on the right side and anything is possible. And right. I'm my I'm getting into motivational speaking. I spoke at the um, BIL conference last year, it's B-I-L, and I'll be speaking at it again in March here in Vancouver. And it's just I want to try to get people to realize that they are stronger than they think. They aren't weak. Everything you go through in life, you know that saying: if it, you know, if it doesn't kill you, it only makes you stronger. That's right. And I just people seem to forget that, and that's my whole book is all about. It's motivating people to realize what they can do. Take a look at okay, what I did, and I mean, I'm honest in there. I say in the book, you know, that I drink too much and I smoked and I do all these weird things. Yeah, I I am strange. (laughs) But the thing is, is that that's me, and there are other people like me out there. Right. And all we can do is just keep building on what what we've already gone through and realizing that it's not going, it's our choice on whether we um, bend or break. Just, Just keep at it. Keep living your life. How true, how true. Uh, Karen, what exactly is the Bill BIL conference that you've spoke at and you're, and you're going to speak at again? What kind of conference is that? Okay, well, you've heard of t- TED Talks, the the big conference that costs thousands of dollars to go to, and then you mm. have eight speeches, all these. Well, Bill is uh, it's all volunteer run, admission by donation. Right, and it's a really good time, and you've got a lot of speakers that maybe do the first time on stage. It was my first time last year on stage. I never like speaking in front of people, but once you try it, you get hooked, and <laughs> and it's just it's sharing ideas. People okay. get up there and they talk about almost anything. So. How difficult was it in writing about the devastation you felt when you first were hit with MS? Did it bring back a lot of pain for you? Yes, it did. I had to keep getting up and walking away from my computer because I'd be crying. And I needed a moment because everything, maybe that's why it took me so long to write it. Because it just, everything was open again. And right, I realized right. things I hadn't dealt with, you know, the emotions I hadn't dealt with, dealt with, I just pushed to the back. So it was uh, different. <laughs> I say it was very emotional. So, so harping on that emotion and how you had to get up from it, what would you say was one of the most difficult aspects of that time to write about? 
I think one of them was when I walked the my last day at my job, when I walked out, and a part of me just wanted to go back in and say, heck with it, I'll stay working. But I knew right. I couldn't. I mean, that was... Wow. And partly, too, is because when I was first diagnosed... I mean, I would snap at people. I lost friends because I was just, as my father told me, I was lashing out because I didn't know, I couldn't blame anybody, but I was angry that I had this disease and my life was being. And then when it was really hard because I wrote about when I uh, lashed out at my, you know, snapped at my mother. And my mother is a really sweet lady. She's very strong and very supportive of all her kids. And I felt so bad for so many years that I had snapped at her. She said it hurt her feelings. Yes, yes. In the synopsis of this book, it says, Once Karen began adjusting to her new circumstances, coming to terms with the fact that her former life had vanished, she realized that MS was a gift. Karen, can you go into more detail on what revelatory epiphany that gave you this feeling? I don't know if it was uh, like just a flash one moment, but it's just a progression over time. Okay. And realizing that MS, as we said earlier, gave me the opportunity to stay home and write. It gave me the opportunity to work for myself. I, I, I've never really liked working for bosses. And it gave me a chance. <laughs> Who does? <laughs> I'm, I'm Irish heritage. I don't like being told what to do. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and that that's just the thing. I, I don't think it was just a sudden flash. I think it was something that built up over the years. I realized that, okay, I may not be making the good money I was then, or I would be if I'd still with the government, but I'm having so much more fun now. And that's so important to really enjoy what you're doing. Karen, a five-star review on Amazon by Brenda of this book says, there are so many heartfelt moments in this story that took me right in. Miss McGill has a way of telling a rather depressing story that is still filled with optimism. There is light at the end of the tunnel, and if she hasn't given up, you shouldn't either. This character has a lightheartedness and the ability to laugh at herself, which I can't help but admire. Wow, Karen, sounds like you got what you came for, huh? Yeah, that's a great review. It's just, that's what I wanted people to get from the book. You know, just because you go through something like that, you know, a life-changing diagnosis or an accident or whatever, doesn't mean that everything has to be dark in your life. You know, hey, laugh at yourself. I mean, I do silly stuff, so I laugh at myself. Thank God for that, yes. One of the greatest, uh, greatest things to happen 
to us authors is when we know that our audience gets it as as the review by Brenda. Uh, wouldn't you agree? Oh, I do, totally. When somebody can actually read that story and say, hey, yeah, it helped me, or I can see what you mean. You know, it's yep. just, it, you get all warm and tingly inside. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, what a great feeling. Um, Karen, let's get into another one of the hats that you wear, that of a positive energy mentor. First off, can you define your concept of what a positive energy mentor is? Well, see, that's that's what happens when you get together with a group of writers. Because I was trying to – I didn't want to say go myself as a life coach or – you know, motivational speaker, author, all that, because everybody's doing that nowadays. Right, So we right. came up with this positive energy mentor because I am about getting everybody to be positive as much as they can and bring all that positive energy around because I believe that that's what helps people progress in life is just to keep so positive. And once one person starts, it it's infectious. The whole energy. He's just like, Cir- I'm circling my hand. Forget you can't see it. <laughs> you know? <laughs> it just goes around and around. It's like a big vortex or whirlwind or something. Right. And all these positive energy. And that's what I'm, so I'm a positive energy mentor. Well, kudos to you and whoever else assisted you with that because uh, I think that's brilliant. As you said, life coach and all of that, you know, that's basically, you know, and and I'm not going to knock anybody who calls himself a life coach, but that's basically a blasé term right now. But positive energy mentor, I think, is inspired. Well, thank you. Let's get a writing group. uh Yeah, yeah, so that, that was great. It's a great concept. On your website, Karen, you write, my goal as a speaker is to reach out to people and let them know how strong they are. Most people have strength they don't even know. Karen, talk about how you motivate your audience into knowing and accepting this inner strength. How do you move them into this belief in self? Well, I like to ask people questions. Like ask, you know, is anybody come here from another country? And usually you get at least one person that has. Right. And you think, okay, remind them that they left everything they knew. They left everything that was familiar to them to come here, where it was unknown. They didn't know how they were going to be accepted, and yet they're still here. It's the same as you ask people about, um, you put it back into their hands so that they can relate it to them. And then they can go, hey, yeah, you know, be thinking, I did that. And then they can start hopefully thinking, well, yeah, you know, I got through this. You know, I got through that when I was young. I did, you know, I did this and I did that. And all, and realizing that, yeah, they are strong. This is, it's a momentum. And hopefully that's what I get people to think on. I, of course, describe my story and let them know what I've gone through and that maybe I'm not that uh, that I'm not that different than anyone sitting out in the audience. 
right. You're not. Karen, let's talk about who were some of the authors you enjoyed. Let's go back and talk about some of the books that you enjoyed when you were younger. What special books did you like reading when you were a younger person? When I was young, I liked The Hardy Boys. I uh-huh. used to have a collection of those. We got it a um, no swap meet. We got a whole big box of them. Um, Little House in the Prairie. Those are my favorites, Little House in the Prairie books. And if you were reading for pleasure today, who would be some of the authors you would read and enjoy? Uh, I like a lot of the new authors I've run into on Facebook. You know, people like um, K.D. Emerson. And, oh, let's see, uh, there is a duo, a writing partnership. They created this book's... um, Oh, jeez. On what if Marilyn Monroe had lived? And they're mm-hmm. fascinating reading those. Trying to get the. Uh, I end up having three, four books going at the same time. I'm reading a lot of <laughs> nonfiction right now for mm-hmm. for my next book, like <laughs> researching it. So, But I like Morgan Llewellyn and Stephen King, of course. Yes, yes. Have you read The Green Mile by Stephen King? A long time ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I hadn't seen the movie, and I just came across it and then saw it. What a great, great movie. Now now I'm interested in reading that book. Um, Karen, let's talk about the state of books and the state of publishing. Uh, there are many outlets and avenues for authors today due to the digitization and reorganization of the publishing industry. Long ago, you had to get an agent, go through a major publishing house. Now you can just publish your book anytime you want, and it's instantaneous. How do you feel about this change in the publishing industry? Is it a good thing as far as you're concerned? As far as I'm concerned, yes, it is, because I am (laughs) self-published. But the thing is, is that writers have to be careful. Because now that the ball's in our court and we can self-publish, and there's a lot of great writers out there that are putting out, you know, high-quality products self-publishing it. Right. You have to also make sure that it's, in order to shine, that everything is right on it. Get the editing done. Get a good cover. Get it formatted. And, I mean, it's such an opportunity for writers now. We don't have to sit and wait for somebody else to say, yes, we're in command of our own futures. Yep, you're right. And, and as you said, that's usually a blessing, but it can also be a curse. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, self-publishing has gotten a bad rap because yeah. of some of the dribble that's out there. Yes, the unprofessional, uh, so many uh, typos, so much bad formatting. You're, you're 100% right. But uh, as you and said, I'm there are so many great works out there. And I'm just as guilty. I did that on a couple, you know, my first two books. They were not, the, you know, I cut too many corners. I didn't get get it professionally edited like I should have. But that's been corrected now. 
And that's good. And that's great for our audience to hear that you have to, have to make sure that, that you, you don't take any shortcuts in publishing your books. Karen, in closing, as a light being of inspiration who has faced and conquered in turn intense hardships, what piece of lasting advice can you give to our audience who are facing similar challenges in their lives? Take it one step at a time. Don't expect everything to just change right in an instant. But you just keep working at it. Keep working, going through your days, and one day you're going to lift your head up and realize that things are a lot better than you thought they could be. What's next for Karen McGill? What other new irons do you have in the fire? I'm going to continue with the speaking. I'm in Toastmasters now to learn how to to present my speeches better. I'm looking at trying to get paid speaking opportunities. I'm marketing right. the five books I have out, and I'm doing research for the third in the uh, Missing Flowers series. All right. Now, if someone wants to contact you and order your books or contact you about maybe a speaking engagement, uh, please give out any websites or uh, contact information. And if you're on Facebook or Twitter or anything, and uh, let people know how they can contact you. Well, the best place to go is www.karenmcgill.com. McGill is spelled M-A-G-I-L-L. Everything you need is there. My books are on Amazon, and they're in select libraries. If it's not in your library, you request it, and they may order it in. This has been the Funky Writer Show with me, Robert Batista. You can find my ebooks, My Baby Has No Name and Carmela's Dream, on Smashwords.com, and my novels, Brooklyn Story and Street Angel, on Amazon.com. Look for my new novel, Naked in the Jungle, coming in the fall of 2015. My guests has been the talented and inspirational Karen McGill. And her spiritually moving book is called On the Right Side, My Story of Survival and Success. Thank you so much, Karen, for being a guest on the Funk A Writer Show. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Have a great evening. Bye now. Bye now.